come with his stories. You know, you know what I'm saying? We, we choose in how we deal with things. You chose to marry that man or that woman. You chose the job that you have. Young people that are on the brink of like college, you're, you're choosing the school in which you're going to. You're, you're choosing the major in which you're studying. A lot of stuff in our lives, it's on us. We have the power to choose. I tell my kids all the time, the choices you make right now not only affect the right now, but also set you up in the future. So don't just think about the right now and what you're trying to do. You know, my, my oldest is, she's about to be 16, and she's about to start driving. So again, need prayers. Because that girl scares me. <laughs> But it's like she's, she's at this point where she, she thinks she wants to do this and that. And I'm like, oh, okay, let's, let's think about it a little bit more. No, Daddy, I, this is what I'm doing. And I'm like, okay. But we, we, you and I have the power to choose. And over in Luke chapter 14, Luke chapter 15, sorry, we got the story of the prodigal son. And hopefully a lot of us know this story. Uh, but this young son, this, this, well, I'll say this, this old man, older man has two sons and the, the younger son just has the, the thing in his mind one day to say, hey, pops, I, that, that money that is owed to me, I need that right now. And it's a very dis, disrespectful thing for this son to do because in this culture, it's custom that the inheritance that's owed to you even though it's yours, you don't get it until dad, like, passes away. And so for this son to walk up to his pops like, hey, I need that money right now because I want to go do my thing. I want to go live my best life. It was very disrespectful for him to do this because he's basically saying, hey, dad, why don't you just die so I can get my money? And being the younger son, he's going to get half of what the older son gets, what his older brother gets. So if big bro is getting, like, 50 grand he's getting half of that or either a third of that do the math I'm not good with math but he comes to his dad and he's like man give me my money because I'm ready to go do my thing the dad agrees and my man goes off and just lives to lives life to the fullest he's buying like the the latest greatest Mustang horse with the leather saddle he's like give me the camel with the two humps because one hump ain't enough I need the, the, the Prada and the Gucci robes. Give me the, give me the Air Jordan sandals. He's popping bottles in the club. He's like doing his thing. He's living it up. And all of a sudden, the Bible says that famine hit the land and the sun goes broke. And now he finds himself, he convinces a farmer to give him a job. And his job on the farm is feeding pigs. Has anybody been on a farm, lived on a farm? Have you visited a farm? Okay. Dealing with pigs is not fun. I've gone to a pig, I literally went to a pig farm in Missouri. Uh, I was buying like little piglets for a senior prank, don't judge me. Um, <laughs> it's many moons ago, it's my BC days. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm on this farm and I'm watching like the older pigs eat and it is like little slop. It is slop. And the pigs are like going for it. I'm looking over in the pig pen and I'm like, <laughs> and this son, this is his job. And the Bible says that he gets to a point where he's looking at what the pigs are eating 
and he's getting hungry. He's like, this looks good. Do you understand how desperate you have to be to look at pig slop and get hungry? This is how desperate that this young man is. And then all of a sudden, the Bible says that he came to himself or he got his mind right. And he says to himself, man, the servants in my dad's house are living better than me. I'm going to just go back to Pops. I'm going to say, Dad, I've sinned against you, against heaven. Take me in as a servant. I'm no longer worthy to be your son. And here's the point that I want to make. Knowing who we are in Christ, it changes the way we make decisions. It changes the way we face, and it also changes the way we make decisions. Knowing who we are in Christ. How I view myself, it affects how I serve. Does that make sense? Jesus says, follow me. And a lot of us are like, well, wait, I got to do this. And I got this going on. And this is happening to me. So I got to clean myself up first before I, before I follow. And Jesus is like, no, just follow me. All, this, all, the, all the cleaning up will happen. Just follow me. If you could clean yourself up and make yourself right, there wouldn't be need of a Savior. There wouldn't be a need of Jesus. So how about we just follow him? And the thing that keeps us from following him a lot of times is our past, our hangups, the stuff that we've done or the stuff that's been done to us. Circumstances don't define us. You are not your circumstance. You are not your issue. Should not define us. Don't run from it. The stuff that you've been involved in, the stuff that has happened, don't make excuses. Don't try to bury it. Man, own it. And what I mean by own it is because I'm not trying to give anybody a license to sin or anything like that. What I mean by own it is confess the mess. That's how I like to say it. Confess the mess. Turn that stuff over to Jesus and let him deal with it. We can't become the men and women that God wants us to be if we don't deal with our, with our past, if we don't get honest with ourselves of how we've become the people that we've become. Amen? We've got to deal with this stuff. And the only way to do it is take it before the throne, take it before the cross and say, Lord, I can't fix it, but I know you can. Knowing who we are begins with dealing with our yesterday. Getting some healing from our past. When I got the opportunity uh, to, to plant this church in Ferguson, I was dealing with, uh, I was, I'll be honest, I was dealing with a lot of church hurt. The past couple churches I was dealing with, man, it, it was not pretty situations. And so when this opportunity came, I immediately went to another friend of mine, Chris, ironically enough, another Chris in, in Illinois. Um, I was like, hey, man, I got to deal with this stuff. Because I don't want to carry this junk and this weight and this hurt, this disappointment, all this stuff that I'm dealing with. I want to carry that over to this next ministry. I want to carry this over into this next season in my life. And I mean, it was some knockdown, drag out fights in his office of snot crying, <laughs> just dealing with this junk. Because I did not want to carry that stuff over. I did not want my past mess affect how I serve God now. And how I serve God in the future and how I serve Ferguson now and serve Ferguson in the future. So I get that our stories are painful. I get that it's full of mess. Sometimes they're boring and ordinary. 
I get all of that. We look at somebody else's story and we're like, ah, this, this, their, their story sounds better than mine. And we start comparing and all this other stuff. Here's the thing. No one's yesterday is too big for God. No, your yesterday is not too big for him. There's plenty of examples in Scripture from, from Genesis to Revelation. Genesis starting with the first man, Adam. Jacks up and he's like, God, this woman you gave me tries to blame her. Yeah. <laughs> there, there's plenty of examples in Scripture. We got, we got the Apostle Paul. Thinks that he's doing God a favor, killing Christians left and right. All of a sudden, he has this Damascus Road experience. There, there's plenty of men and women that we can put on a board and be like, <laughs> got a jacked up past. I got a jacked up yesterday. Praise God he still wants to use me in spite of my yesterday. Praise God that he still calls me son. Praise God that he's like, man, I'm going to use you in Ferguson. <laughs> what? Mm -mm. <laughs> but I have, I've come to this point where I cannot tell God no because the doors are, are just opening. How the Bible says he'll open a door that no man can close. I'm telling you, I can give you stories for days, and I've only got the keys to the building since last August. And it, there are some crazy stories, crazy work that God is doing in spite of my yesterday. So don't be comfortable in your mess. Sin should bother you. It should, like, rub you the wrong way because it's the complete opposite of the God that we serve and the standard that he's placed upon our lives. So keep that heart of repentance. Here's another thing. The Father sees you. Our Heavenly Father absolutely sees you. When you go on into this story, Luke 15 again, look at verse 20. So the son has made it up in his mind. I'm going back home. I'm, I'm going to confess this junk to my dad and verse 20 says so he being the son he returned home to his father and while he was still a long way off his father saw him coming filled with love and compassion he ran to his son embraced him and kissed him so here we have this dad who sees his son coming from a distance it wasn't like the dad is just out sweeping the front porch looks up and is like is that my son what this is describing is you have to picture the dad waking up every morning, grabbing his cup of coffee, running out to the front porch. Is my son coming home today? Ah, I don't see him. Okay. Goes in the house, grabs some lunch, cleans the kitchen back up, runs back out again. Is my son coming? Because in order to see something coming from a distance, you got to be looking for it. Which means there's an expectation for his son to come back home. And when he sees his son, he takes off to get him. Now, you got to understand, this is an old man, so he's probably moving like this. He thinks he's looking like Usain Bolt, when really you about as slow as a turtle. But the point is, he's getting to his son. Here's the thing. The reason why he's bolting off, in my opinion, the reason why he's bolting off to his son is because according to law, this son has openly rebelled. He has openly disrespected his dad. And according to law and according to culture, the townsfolk had a right. They had a right to stone him to death. They had a right. Go back to Deuteronomy and Leviticus and look up law. The people had a right to stone this young man to death. 
when the father gives the okay to do it. So here's how I picture it. The son's walking back home, head down, guilt, pressure, because he knows what's coming. And so I also picture the townsfolk just grabbing rocks left and right, and they're following this young man. And he knows what's coming. But the dad sees him from a distance and bolts off to get his son and falls on him and loves on him and kisses him, and he's telling the townsfolk, no, this is my son. They're waiting to see how the dad is going to respond, and the rocks just drop, and they're like, okay. That's how I picture this. The son knows what's coming, but the father runs to get his son, says, no, we're not doing this today. The father sees the exact condition in which his son is in. He sees the guilt, the pressure, the rags, the poverty, the brokenness, and our heavenly father sees us. He sees you, the exact condition in which you're in right now, the family issues that are going on, the pressure that you're facing in the culture. He sees everything that's happening. Nothing catches our Heavenly Father off guard. There's nothing that you can do or face that's going to knock him off his throne. He sees us. He sees the concerns, the embarrassment, the guilt. He sees all of that. And guess what? He still says, you're my son. You're my daughter. Look at verse 21. His son says to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, quick, get a ring, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party Began. I love this part because here we have the son trying to plead his case. Dad, I've messed up. I've blown through all the money. I spent too many nights in the club. I was buying prostitutes. I was, Dad, Dad, I'm sorry, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. And the father does not even acknowledge his son. He immediately turns to the servant. That word but in Scripture it expresses the grace that this father is showing to his son. One day I'm going to write a message. God's got a big old butt. <laughs> and it's all about the grace of our heavenly father. Pops didn't even respond to his son. He immediately turns to the servants. Now, keep this in mind. Follow me for a second. The book of Isaiah talks about a suffering servant. Beaten for Beaten beyond recognition, pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Bible talks about a suffering servant, that being Jesus, yes? God, I didn't make the right decision with that friend. God, I've messed up with my family. God, this has happened to me. And our God doesn't even, in essence, acknowledge us. He turns to the servant and says, go to work being his son, Jesus. God, I got all this stuff going on. I'm sorry, I did this. And God's like, yep. Hey, Jesus, go to work. That's what this father is representing because he does these three things. He, he says, man, get the best robe. Best robe is, is like the chief garment. It's like your best tuxedo, your best dress that you got hanging up in the closet. It's only used for those like 
Big time festivities. You understand what I'm saying? This is similar to like the garment back in Genesis that Rebecca puts on Jacob to pose as Esau. This is like your finest man. Can't nobody tell you nothing when you step out with this robe on. This is what's happening. The best robe, it equals condition. So the father is changing his son's condition right here. He's being reborn. Then he says, man, bring the ring, put it on his finger. The ring signifies affection, signifies wealth and dignity. Only the rich and those in office wore rings. You ever seen like these old kingdom shows? I'm a huge fan of like any shows dealing with kingdom and kings and queens and old lands and stuff like that. I, something's wrong with me, but I'll, I'll get deliverance later. Um, <laughs> What I love about the majority of these shows is that there's a certain ring that the king wears. And it's like his stamp. It's his approval. He's got a letter. He's got a sin. They're like melting down wax. The king dips his ring in the wax and he seals the letter because it's like that's the, that's the, that's the sign of the king. So what better way to show something and, and approval than to give my very son the ring while I'm still alive? This is my son, and he's basically saying, nah, this is my affection. I'm in union with this young man. This is my blood. And then he says, put sandals on his feet. The sandals equal position. His only servants were barefoot. Servants were barefoot back then, and only those who were uh, of some, some significance and stand, some standards had sandals. So Pop's putting sandals on his son's feet. It signified the demand that he's not a servant. This is my son. And again, this father is doing this in the eyes of everyone, ready to be killed and stoned in public, but restoring him in public is what this father does. So here's the thing. You, you got to be reminded right now that you're a son. You're a daughter. Do not forget it. Now here's the last point I want to make, man. Pops likes to party. Pops just likes to party. He, look at verse 23. He says, and kill the calf that we've been fattening. We must celebrate with the feast for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Pops throws like the biggest block party for the whole town and the whole kingdom to come to. He's like, man, spread the word fire up the DJ, let's, let's put the grill on, let's go to work, I'm about to two-step, my son is back, can't nobody tell me nothing, all because his son, all for his son, all because his child is back where he belongs. So don't kid yourself into thinking that our Heavenly Father doesn't care about you, simply because of the decisions that you've made or the stuff that has happened to you. Don't kid yourself into thinking that God doesn't care. You're wasting his time. There's no point in praying, no point in studying his word. Don't kid yourself. Man, God's ready to throw the towel in on me. I've just done too much. And it's like, no, God's ready to throw a party on your behalf. He's ready to crank it up. <laughs> Let's go. Don't kid yourself. Luke 15.10 says, and this is the same chapter. Just jump a couple verses up earlier. Verse 10 says, there is joy 
in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. Heaven is throwing a party for one person who gets their mind right, or like this story says, comes to their senses. Heaven is cranking up right now for somebody. In my opinion, the best part of this story is verse 17, when it says that very thing. This young man came to his senses. Because him getting his mind right allows everything else to take place in his life that the father does. Started with that decision. I got to get back home. If I can get back to Pops. He makes the decision and now everything else takes place. The robe, the ring, the sandals, and the party. The best thing we could ever do is be in relationship with God. The best thing that we could ever do is being in relationship with our Heavenly Father. Everything is better with God. Everything is better. Food tastes better. <laughs> Vacations feel different. <laughs> like everything is better with God. All because of what his son provided, which is reestablishing relationship with his death on the cross and then don't forget about the Holy Spirit being with us every single day as a daily guide. Don't forget about the Holy Spirit as your guide. There's too many times we leave the Holy Spirit out of the equation. Don't. Jesus left the Holy Spirit as a helper. Don't forget. Every decision that I've made has been better with Jesus. Decisions based on Lenny have not got me in a good place. <laughs> Part of my story is being in front of a judge three times. The very exact same judge three times. I'll never forget it. Clayton courtroom. I'm like 17, 18 years old. And the judge, I'm standing there before the judge, no representation. My mom is sitting in the back. I am by my lonesome standing before this judge. And he keeps looking at my rap sheet. He's looking at me, my sheet, me. He's just going back and forth. And he finally says, man, this is the third time you've been in my courtroom. And I was like, yes, sir. He says, if I see you again, I'm locking you up. And I'm not talking juvie. And it was like Holy Spirit fire <laughs> just crept up my behind and like the back of my skull. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is real. Lenny's decisions got Lenny in mess. But the moment I got my mind right, never been the same. Decisions are better with, with God. I trust Jesus a whole lot better than I trust myself. Everything that I have done from that moment of, of getting my mind right to now, it, it's been a thousand times better with Jesus. Let me leave you with this last piece of scripture. The band can come back up. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Translations, you're not smart enough. Seek his will and all you do and he will show up. He will show you which path to take. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Translation, you are not smart enough. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Again, I trust the Lord a whole lot more than I trust myself. I trust his guidance, his leadership, his wisdom, his direction. It's all better than my own. So never forget who you are. You are a son 
you are a daughter. You have a seat at the table in your heavenly father's house. You have a seat at that table specifically designed and created for you. Nobody else can take that seat. You talk about reserved seating, that's you. You have a seat at that table, do not forget. And in the presence of our Heavenly Father today, it leads to better decisions tomorrow. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for right now. I thank you for this moment. Thank you for these men and women in this room. Thank you for your sons and daughters. The fact that you still call us sons and daughters. In spite of all of our yesterdays, the decisions that we have made, the things that have happened to us, God, I thank you that you can use all of it. Your word says what the enemy meant for evil, you can turn around for good. So, Father, I thank you that hearts and minds are being changed this morning. They're being transformed back to you, your standard, your way of living. Father, help us. Lead us and guide us in every single thing that we do. Help us to make the best decisions in our lives. Help us in every area, emotionally, physically, mentally, financially, relationally. God, I thank you that you are with us. Your word says you never leave us nor forsake us. So, Father, help every young man and every young woman in here, middle age, older age. Father, help every single one of us. Help the babies in here. Help all of us to be the men and women that you've called us to be. We give you glory and honor in that. In Jesus' name.